The following Knowledge at Warden podcast is brought to you by Vanguard, offering investments designed to help individuals and institutions reach their financial goals. Visit Vanguard.com. Optimism seems to be everywhere, just as the Federal Reserve's Open Market Committee gets ready once again to pass judgment on where interest rates are headed. Uh, The consensus is that the status quo will prevail. Uh, Meanwhile, oil prices are down to $64 a barrel, and inflation seems to be coming under control. Uh, To help us make sense of these trends is Professor Jeremy Siegel, of the Finance Department at the Wharton School and author of the book The Future for Investors. He spoke with my colleague Robbie Shell, Editorial Director of Knowledge at Wharton, and with me, Mukul Pandya, Editor-in-Chief. Professor Siegel, thank you very much for joining us. Happy to be here, Mukul. The question on everyone's mind, of course, is the FOMC meeting. Uh, Most people seem to think that the interest rates will remain unchanged. What do you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, the data that we got today on the housing starts being down more than anticipated, um, which isn't good news, but the good news was the producer price index, and particularly the core producer price index, down four-tenths of a percent. Uh, very good news. Um, there is no question that there will not be uh, an increase. In fact, I believe there will not even be a descent as there was last time. Uh, we had one uh, Fed president uh, that that uh, wanted an increase, and I don't think that's going to happen. I I I think the really what what is encouraging is that Bernanke's um, forecasts uh, that he made a couple months ago that enough tightening had in fact been applied to the U.S. economy are proving true, and that's very encouraging that he had the foresight because many people thought that the Fed would have to continue. This is this is very good news. So I think it's going to be on hold. I think the statement, the press release that comes with it is going to acknowledge the fact that we've 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 turned the corner on on commodity prices and that that uh, will lead, I believe, n- no more increases at all. Uh, in fact, what's interesting, what Wall Street is now w- wondering about, the betting is when will the first decrease of rates be? And we have not heard that for many, many years. The price of oil has come down by more than $10 a barrel. Does this spell the end of the commodities bubble that you've been warning against? Right. It, I, I think it does. Uh, I, you know, I, on these on these podcasts, I've been saying that there are two major bubbles the Fed has to puncture. One was the housing bubble. Uh, we know that that has been punctured. Uh, you know, I've said that for many, many months. There's absolutely no doubt now, certainly with the housing statistics that we have. The second was the commodity bubble. That proved much more resistive, resistant to the Fed tightening. Um, but it has now given way also. Um, and we we see oil uh, actually dropping down near the $60 a barrel. Of course, we all see what's happening to gasoline. It is actually at a, at a six-month low. Um, natural gas has been collapsing, which is good news for all those who are heating with with gas. Uh, this winter, the, the rates are going to be much lower than we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, and uh, we're beginning to see it in the metals, in the copper, the zinc, uh, the aluminum. 
these are important for construction. Um, certainly the slowdown in the housing market has influenced these. So those two fronts of, of, of pricing, the housing bubble, Khmer bubble, I think has, has popped. And as a result, there is no reason for any further increases. Uh, that's what the street believes. That's what the bond market believes. Um, and uh, that's basically good news for uh, for consumers. Uh, to, to stick to the uh, what you just said about the uh, housing, the, the, the slowness in the housing market, uh, as interest rates remain flat, what impact do you see uh, on, on the housing market? Uh, in other words, uh, will the slowdown slow down? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, the, the builders are all saying, my God, I've never seen a slowdown without really interest rates, you know, mo- you know moving up m- m- much. Certainly long-term interest rates have not moved up and moved down recently. There's been a huge shift in psychology. And all that psychology, which for two or three years, they've got to buy now because it's going up, it's going to be 10% higher. It's totally faded. In fact, the reverse psychology has set in. And what people are saying is don't buy now, rent. Uh, I've been talking to some realtors who said they have never seen the rent or, uh, rental market as strong as today. Um, and in fact, they're bumping up rents anywhere from 5, 10, 15 percent and more. This is not just happening in Philadelphia. There's been reports in New York and elsewhere. People are saying the demand for housing is there. It has just totally changed form from, you know, to buy now to rent. Let me wait a year. All those condos that are not going to be sold are going to be cut in price, and they will be cut in price. Uh, the question is will the decline in prices impact the consumer? Uh, will that so-called reverse wealth effect set in? My feeling is it won't be as severe as many people feel um, because uh, there were so much equity gains and many people did realize that it was probably not permanent. So settling back of 10 or 15 percent even, and especially the hot markets, I don't think it's going to have a severe effect. The fact that interest rates will stay stable – uh, and the fact that energy prices are, are down will tend to offset the contractionary effect of the decline in housing. What about the, the, the troubles that the auto industry is facing? What effect will that have? Well, and, and, and yes, I mean, we, the market thought that GM and Ford were on the mend, and they were very disappointed. Well, first of all, in the sales and then in Ford's less than what they thought was needed reforms to get their market started. I mean, the the U.S. automakers have severe problems they've only begun to address. The market is asking for for more. Um, uh, But uh, clearly layoffs in the auto market and in the housing sector are are going to be on the – a a, a drag on the economy coming forward. Not a recession – but uh, I think that uh, particularly housing now, which probably added about a half a percent to GDP growth over the last three to four years on a yearly basis, will probably now be a drag of about 1% and maybe even slightly more. So we may be looking with the – also a slowdown in the U.S. auto production. You know, we may be looking at GDP growth that are, is just in the 2% region, sluggish but, but no recession. Uh, that's very interesting. So, ba- based on the uh, all, all these trends that you referred to, uh, what will be the impact on equities and and on the dollar? Yeah, uh, the equ- the equity markets has uh, you know there's always two sides to the, the, the coin when there's a slowdown in the economy. Um, the bad news is the profits could be below forecast. 
the good news is that interest rates will be down. <laughs> um, so you have to say, you know, which is the good news enough to offset the bad news? How much of a contraction um, we get? Um, if, if GDP is, goes down to 2%, what kind of earnings increases can we get? We, it's, it's unlikely that we'll get the double-digit increases that we've had over the last four years. They've been very, very strong. I think it was the longest double-digit increase quarterly spread that we've had in history. Um, but my feeling is that even if it increases in single digits – um, with a drop in interest rates, and by the way, the long rate was down today dramatically as a result of housing and inflation. We're, we're now down to over 475. Short rates look like they're going to follow, especially expectation of the Fed. Um, even if earnings only go up in the single rates, you've got very favorable valuation on equities. So um, it is very possible that we will see a, a nice rise in equities uh, despite the slowdown in the economy, in other words, they feared more a tightening of the Fed than they felt than they they feared a slowdown of the economy. Actually, what they feared was both at once: was there going to be stagflation, the Fed was going to have to tighten in in the face of a sharply slowing economy. Now it looks like the there may be a, a slowing economy to be sure, but the Fed is not going to be tightening. So that second worry is off of uh, the equity markets. Last Friday, it's interesting to note, um, even though the Standard & Poor is uh, you know, still 20% or so below its all-time high, uh, the Dow Jones Industrials last Friday closed at the second highest close they have ever had in their history, only surpassed by January of 2000. Um, we're still about 150 points or so from the all-time high, but it is once you get away from the tech stocks and you get to more of uh, the non-tech sectors in the economy, you really see how much strength there, there really has been in the market. Are there international risk factors to be taken into account, especially now that the Thai army has seized power right. in Thailand? The <laughs> Thai bot took a little hit, and so did the market, although the latest seems to have shown a little bit of an Im improvement. Um, le let me first say that for those who have a memory back in 1997 in July when the Thai bot was the first – Asian currency to be devalued. And many people, when they talk about the Asian currency crisis, uh, point to the Thai bot as the beginning. There were a little bit of of nervous uh, uh, waves that I think went through the market. Oh, my goodness, is, is Taiwan going to start it again? There is just a world of difference um, today. I mean, uh, Thailand was running a huge current account deficit. It was on a fixed exchange rate with an overvalued bot relative to the dollar. Um, we are on a floating rate system now, which releases all these pent-up pressures. I do not see this as, you know, cascading into a, a severe uh, or not or any really financial crisis. Clearly, the slowdown in the U.S. will have ramifications for uh, the Asian economies, but uh, I, I would say it's a virtually zero probability that this was going to be turning into another Asian crisis. Uh, what about the Middle East? Any any risk factors there, or do you th see the situation there getting better? Well, you know, um, it's sort of status quo. Um, there, I mean, we get a little better news out of Iran, not so good news in terms of negotiation. The news out of Iraq seems kind of universally bad. But no one wants to – there doesn't seem to be any major upheaval. I think the good news 
is that in the response to the falling oil prices, OPEC is not going to reduce supply to keep it up there. In fact, they may be happy to see oil drop below $60 a barrel because they're very nervous about the, the development of alternative fuel sources. So, you know, that they would rather that be delayed by a few years and get $55 a barrel than to be accelerated and get for a year or less $65 a barrel. So I don't think that they're going to be restricting supply. So really, that's one thing. We've had another, even today, a, a big downward movement uh, in the energy prices, more signs. Um, and what we could really begin to see now um, uh, is uh, hedge fund selling of these commodity futures that could add downward pressure. In light of, of all these economic factors that you've been talking about, what would you tell someone who's just been laid off as a middle manager in the auto industry or the financial service industry or the internet sector? Well, I don't know if I'm the best person to answer that. Um, it's it's going to be tough. Uh, I don't see a recovery in you know, certainly auto and housing anytime soon. Um, uh and um, I think, you know, basically, the, the good news is that there's still net job creation uh, in the U.S. Uh, at the rate of around 150,000 net jobs a month. And so there still is absorption. And uh, it is not anywhere near as bad as other severe auto slowdowns. It's really a precipitated recession. Let me ask you about Amaranth, the hedge fund that imploded last week and lost about $5 billion in value. Do you think hedge funds will face some sort of a backlash because of that? This is very interesting, the Amaranth situation. I mean, I, um, they have been piling into alternative assets. I've been warning that, that there isn't anywhere near the depth in some of these assets as many people believe, and that there are some of the commodity, a lot of the commodity bubble, and this is, those who've done research seem to confirm this, uh, is due to hedge funds moving into these commodities. Um, with the commodity bubble breaking, we may see the reverse. Um, in fact, some of the total collapse in natural gas prices may be part of the unwinding of Amaranth's positions in natural gas, which really gives the consumer a, a big break, um, uh, which, is, which is the good news. Um, uh, I, I think that if commodities continue to go down, and that is a very good possibility, we may see some concerted selling and some very bad results from hedge funds that will uh, cause people to really rethink their philosophy of, of, of allocating X percent of their wealth, and some people 10, 20, and more to these hedge funds. These hedge funds are very, very risky. They talk about controlled risk. Amaranth talked about controlling risk. It did not. They're taking very risky positions. They're very much an alternative assets. And if these alternative assets go south, they're going to be hurt dramatically. Um, this actually is good for the stock market because that's a traditional asset class. If people left stocks to go to hedge funds, maybe they will say, hey, you know what? Maybe stocks aren't so bad after all. So, you know, the ultimate upshot of this is that the traditional asset classes might actually uh, get a benefit if we really have a, a severe hedge fund uh, decline. It's, it's, it's possible. I'm not saying it's a certain of all, and every, every hedge fund has different positions. But, there, I mean, the feeling is on Wall Street is that there's a lot of net positive commodity positions in these hedge funds. They've had huge gains 
I was looking at Harvard. It's fun. But, you know, it was interesting. They were quoting how well Harvard did in their endowment fund. That only went through the fiscal year June 30th when commodity prices were very high. I just wonder if you updated today whether the things are going to be quite as rosy. Um, and <laughs> But, uh, you know, commodities have been big. They've been important. They've given huge gain for quite a few years. And um, we're seeing a very sharp reverse that could turn into a route potentially um, in these um, uh, commodity um, uh, markets. So the wrap-up $64,000 question, what advice do you have for investors? Well, I'm still positive on stock market. I'm probably even more positive on the stock market given I think that the Fed, I mean, I, I really believe Fed is done and interest rates are going to stay low. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the, the bottom line is that I don't think profits are – I don't think it is a recession. I don't think profits are – oh, they're going to slow down definitely, but not take a sudden dive. So given what profits there are and earnings forecasts that there are at these lower interest rate stocks, I think are, are a good value. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. For more information, please visit our website at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.